Life's Third Act is a podcast dedicated to helping you get the most out of your retirement. Sponsored by Tucker Allen, attorney CPA Joe Cordell features guests each week to discuss prominent topics for those over 55. Welcome to another episode of Life's Third Act. I'm Jill Enders. Want to remind everyone to be sure to like us and subscribe to us on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we're talking about retiring in Panama. That just sounds so exotic. And who better to tell us about that is Jessica Ramesh. She's an international living editor. She lives in Panama, and she's also the author of Escape to Panama. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us. And and you are such an interesting person. I was reading your bio. You've had just an amazing life. Well, thank you. I'm, you know, I think it all sounds a lot more glamorous when you want to put it on paper and look at it. But uh, thank you. And thanks for having me today. You you have. I mean, you started the international life at a very young age. Um, You've lived in like, what, 25 countries, I believe. And I want to go back and talk about your background. You know, as a child, I I haven't lived in 25 countries, but I have I have traveled quite a a fair amount to maybe maybe a little bit more than 25 countries. Oh, more. Okay, okay. So, but I have, but I haven't lived in in that many. (laughs) So, but you've started your international life as when you were a child, right? I did. My family is originally from India. They were part of a great diaspora that had to leave their land in 1947 during the partition of India. And uh, yeah, I've had family end up in different parts all over the world from the Philippines to Panama. And as a kid, I, uh, I lived in Panama, in the U.S. and in India by the age of 14. <laughs> what was that like with all those transitions? You know, you're so resilient at that age. Right. You soak up languages so easily. So I, I won't say that there weren't some really challenging, difficult times, but it was also uh, really eye-opening, and I learned so much and maybe would never have discovered my love of languages and my love of travel had it not been for those early experiences. So I, I can only imagine. So you went to the went to college in the United States, correct? Yes, University of Richmond. Okay, and what was your major there? (laughs) It was international politics and diplomacy. Of course it was. (laughs) Of course it was. Why did I even ask that? And then from there, you went on to tell us about that, what your next step after college. Yeah, well, um, during college, I'd been studying languages and and volunteering, doing a lot of volunteer work with refugees from Vietnam, from Cuba, from all over, and definitely knew that I wanted to find a way to travel, but not being independently wealthy, was going to have to figure out how to do that with without a ton of money. Um, I worked for a little while for an emergency international travel hotline, doing online, doing telephone interpreting. So if we had a doctor that only spoke French, trying to communicate with insurance people in the U.S. that only spoke English, then I would hop on and try and help them out by doing instantaneous interpretation, which was really fun. Um, But Panama was on my mind even back then, and I really wanted to see whether or not I could, you know, carve a niche for myself here in Panama. So I actually came to Panama, um, to Panama City, 
worked for the Panama Canal for a year, which was really exciting and wonderful, but then got an opportunity, got a job offer from a friend of mine who was leaving the cruise ship industry and said she could get me in, get me a job. So now I that would be glamorous. Sail by. It, it, it really sounds more glamorous than it is. They really work you really, really hard. <laughs> you work as well in my day, and I think it's still the same. You work a 70 hour minimum. That's your contract per week. So, so it wasn't like what we saw in the old show, The Love Boat. You, you know, <laughs> uh, parts of you, you would expect me to maybe be like, no, it's not like that at all. And of course, there's so much more that you don't see on a nice made for a general audience PG type show like that. But uh, there were a lot of things that were like the love boat. And then there were also, I don't remember if they showed just how much you got to become a family with everyone you're working with. And right. your, your new work family was from all over the world. So I still to this day have friends that I can go visit in Estonia, Croatia, Czech Republic, like just all over the world. Yeah. So that was the best part. And you speak how many languages? Four. I've studied maybe another three and not never got proficient, but I'd say I speak four. And, and what are those? English and Spanish, and then French and Italian. Italian. Wow. Okay. Because uh, my grandparents immigrated from Italy, and that was my mother's first language, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah. Well, she. In fact, when she went to kindergarten... The nuns had to teach her to speak English, which I can't even imagine. That would seem so overwhelming. But I understand when you're a kid, it's easier for you to learn another language. Yeah, and you kind of forget how overwhelming it was. But that's awesome. We can parlare italiano together. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So then you went on later on to work for International Living, and you're the Panama editor. And how did that come about? It's it's such a funny story. I answered an ad on monster.com. They were looking for, at the time, just an assistant editor, and I was really anxious to, I was ready to get off ships and get back into writing for a living, so I was very happy to start in whatever position would get my foot in the door with a uh, an editorial company or a publishing company, and I answered the ad, and <laughs> that was about 17 years ago, so. So do you work mostly from home? I mean, besides going and exploring, but can you do most, right. is, or is there a brick and mortar office? No, we did actually for a time have a beautiful brick and mortar office, office in Panama City, but um, like many companies around the financial crisis time, 2008, 2009, International Living Consolidated, uh, a bunch of stuff just to have several key locations and not have as many different country offices as they did, which I think was a, a good decision. And luckily for me, they decided to keep me on as a freelancer. So, so what's a typical day like for you? I, you know, I just moved out to the beach, so I'm, tr I'm trying to figure out my new typical day. When I was living in Panama City, I would get up and drive to the bay. There's a beautiful promenade called the Cinta Costera in Panama City, and it's bike lanes and little park areas and workout areas and gym equipment and just really a bunch of different things, basketball courts. So you can go there and do whatever you want in the morning, whether it's ride your bike or play tennis or, you know, just, just sit and stare at the beautiful water. Sounds so like the life. Doing that. It's a nice way to start the day. And then 
you know, buy an orange juice on my way home, work for a few hours. And then with a, you know, when you're a freelancer, you have a flexible schedule most days. So I was always able to make time for little lunch dates or dinner dates whenever those came up. Sounds like a great career to me. I mean, I can't imagine a more fun job. It really is fun. And and of all the different jobs that we've discussed that may have sounded glamorous, I think this one comes the closest to actually being perfect. <laughs> okay. Well, let's dive into uh, retirement in Panama. A few episodes ago, we had your colleagues on, Dan Pressure and uh, Susan Haskins. Uh, and we learned then about uh, Panama being International Living's uh, annual making the number one spot on the Global Retirement Index. Um, Why exactly did it make number one? Panama just checks so many boxes. If you look at some of the other countries that are popular and with good reason, you you might notice that, well, there are countries that are maybe closer to the U.S., like Mexico, or that have equally great weather, like Costa Rica, And I think for those of us that choose Panama and the reason it it continues to pop up right at the top of that index is because it just checks so many boxes. So for the person who's really wanting a lot of value for their money and just wanting to get the most that they can get and maybe not waiting any one particular thing over the other, just kind of saying, what, which place offers me the most, the best value? That's where Panama shines. And that's the type of person we tend to attract. Certainly for me, I'm not retired yet. I'm still working. So I needed a country that checked all of the boxes you think about for retirement, you know, you definitely want good weather. You want to be outside of a hurricane right. zone. Check, check. But for me, I also needed great internet, great cell phone service, great infrastructure. Uh huh. And the cost of living, of course. That was that was the other major decider for me is I needed to live somewhere. I didn't want to work those 70 hour plus work weeks anymore. So I wanted to live somewhere where I would not have to work very hard and yet still be able to enjoy, you know, a nice cosmopolitan sort of lifestyle. Right, right. On average, what you know, your basic apartment, what would that cost a month? It depending on where you are in the country, you could, could be anywhere from $500 a month to uh, $1,500 a month. Now you've got a lot out here at the beach where you've got that ocean view and you know, like a nice beach apartment with right. an ocean view. You've got a lot going between $900 a month and, and $1,500. You're gonna find a ton in that range. But you know, you go 10 minutes further up, uh, further west and you could maybe shave another couple hundred dollars off of that. So there's lots to choose from. I definitely had a lot to choose from when I was looking for something that would fit my budget and I was looking to buy. Would you say that most retirees that come there to settle down, that they're living in an apartment or they buy a house? It, it, we have equal parts of both because um, one of our most popular retirement destinations in Panama, the mountain haven of Boquete, is mostly houses. You do find some apartments there, but it's mostly it's rolling hills, beautiful mountain views, and single-family homes for the most part. And then on the other side of the country, you have Panama City and my the beach area where I'm living right now, the Coronado region. They're very close together, where you tend to find more apartments than houses. So um, 
it, you really just take your pick. And like I say, you can rent for as little as $500 a month, or if you want, you know, the beautiful ocean view condo, pay a little bit more and you can get that as well. What would you say a house would cost, you know, say maybe a three bedroom home? A three bedroom home in the mountain haven of Boquete, which is has been ranked as one of the top retirement destinations in the world, not just by us, but by many other publications as well. You can buy a home of that size in Boquete starting from $150,000. Okay. That's pretty average cost. Sure. That's not too bad. I mean, that's at least here in the St. Louis area. That's about, you know, $150,000, $200,000 for an average size home. Okay. Right. But we're talking about um, a tropical climate no hurricane, close to beaches area. So I would caution anyone listening to resist comparing it to wherever it is that you are now, unless where you are is, you know, in Florida or California, where you're getting similar value for your dollar. That's what I compare Panama with. Now, what about healthcare? What's the healthcare system like there? Because we hear all the time, you're not going to get good healthcare, you know, in other countries. And it's so funny because once you start spending time in other countries, you start hearing how crazy they think American healthcare right, is. Right, right. <laughs> how crazy they think it is that people can't get healthcare. And Panama has healthcare. If you're um, an employee of any company as a Panamanian, you're you're automatically your employer and you pay part of your paycheck into the social security system and you get free dental teeth cleanings my dad got his back surgery for free because he had worked here for a little while and put into the system and then those who can afford to do um to get private insurance in order to have shorter wait times and in order to have more services will do that i spend uh, my insurance has gone up over the years. It is now about $125 a month uh, that I pay for Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Panama. And it's a fantastic private insurance. What about the actual medical care you get there, would you say, Can, compared to what, you know, you've lived in the United States before. How would you compare yes. it to the United States? Yeah, I, you know, I had my formative years in the U.S. and then went back for college and then went back to work when I started working on ships. So I have lots of experience in both areas. And I'm just going to come out and say it. The healthcare here is better. My doctors sit with me for longer. They talk to me. They get more information about my history and how I'm feeling. So I actually feel like I am winning here. I'm not as stressed out and concerned And I'm not feeling as rushed when I go visit my doctor either. That's good because that is a complaint over here in the United States. And I've experienced the same thing where you wait and wait and then you're seen and, you know, 10 minutes later, you're out the door. You're you're rushed right through. So that is good to know. A few other things. Um, What's, say, a cell phone bill cost a month or internet? Those are great questions. So my internet is, I think it's $36 a month for 50 megabytes per second, uh, which is good enough to watch Netflix or talk to you on Zoom today. There you go. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) What else do we need? And then uh, I got a really good smartphone plan. You can spend a lot less, but I just wanted to have a contract. You can do pay as you go here. Some people spend five to $15 a month on their cell phones with pay as you go, um, which is, you know, just Panama being a lower income country. It's affordable because of that. But I have a plan. It's 
I've never run out of minutes. I've never run out of data. It's $45 a month for my smartphone. And um, that's how I'm talking to you today because the internet cut out immediately before this call and I'm tethering from my smartphone right now. You're getting your money's worth. Well, Jessica, (laughs) we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Strong roots are essential for a healthy tree, especially your family tree. That's why you work hard to take care of your family every day. At Tucker Allen, we know that taking care of your family means planning for the future. Our team provides personalized estate planning to help ensure that your family and your legacy are protected and that your future is secure. From wills and trusts to long-term care and estate planning. Count on Tucker Allen. Personalized estate planning made simple. We're back with Life's Third Act, and we have with us Jessica Ramesh. Uh, She's International Living's Panama editor and the author of Escape to Panama. Jessica, we're talking about retiring in Panama and going over all the perks of it. Would you say there are any disadvantages or, or where it wouldn't be a good fit for somebody, for a retiree? Absolutely. And I'm glad you asked that because I think it's important for people to know that that there are always going to be trade-offs when you move overseas. Having just moved from one city to another in Panama, I'm being reminded of some of those trade-offs. It takes a little bit longer sometimes to get things done. Like I just, I needed to get somebody to check why my dishwasher, my new dishwasher wasn't working. Uh, you know, uh, that sort of thing. Sometimes they arrive punctually right at the time you ask them to. Sometimes it's an hour late. Sometimes they're not able to make it and you get a call an hour later saying, can I come by tomorrow? Uh, So, and that's very culturally, even though Panama is much more Americanized, I'd say, than some of the other countries we talk about. So punctuality is a little bit better here, but it's just not the way people live here. And um, at the beginning, it took some getting used to. Yeah. Patience. Patience, but you know, I'm probably less stressed now for it. Like people are so forgiving here that it works the other way around as well. They don't give you a hard time if you need to cancel or be flexible either. Wow. Okay. Now you've been there 17 years. Um, What was it like, you know, meeting new people or meeting, say, other, uh, you know, people from your country? Crazy social the way it usually, no matter where you go. uh, When I moved to Panama City, I met so many interesting people and there there were so many events too, so many theaters and so much going on between film festivals and dance festivals and what you name it, wine festivals, beer festivals, that um, I... It was too much to keep track of after a few years here. And this, I'm finding the same here. I just moved out to the beach, which I thought was going to be quieter, more tranquil, which it is in a way. But there, there are so many activities. And my building is, apparently this is common around here, is like a little community. They, there's a happy hour every Tuesday. There's a potluck once a month. You join if you want to, but you don't have to. There's a golf club. There's an aqua aerobics club. There's all kinds of stuff that I haven't even begun to dip my toe into yet. Because I'm sure that's a concern um, for someone, you know, leaving their country and moving to another country. Am I going to know people from my country? Am I going to be able to make friends, have that circle of friends? So, Absolutely. You know, what what would you say to someone that's considering retiring, you know, and, and they have that concern? 
I would say you're going to find that it's all too easy to meet people and make friends, particularly, you know, the places that I've mentioned to you today, Boquete in the mountains, the beach town of Coronado, places that already have an established expat presence. So uh, you can certainly meet and make friends with locals, which is a very enriching experience, but it's also nice to have that expat community, people who have gone before and can help guide you or have the answers to whatever random question you might need. A vet, an English-speaking vet, for example, well, you know, the people in your building, in your community, they're going to be able to help you with that, and it's so valuable. But it's basically English-speaking, would you say? Within the expat community, so Panama is a Spanish-speaking country, and most everyone in the country speaks Spanish. We do have a lot of bilingual people um, among the white-collar workforce of Panama. But if you move to a city or town that does have an expat community, not everyone is an expat. It's still majority local. But you're always going to be able to find some expats that you can speak to in English and commiserate with and, and get information Okay. I want to talk about your recent article um, from International Living. Uh, the U.S. isn't the only land of ap- opportunity. Um, you believe Panama is definitely a land of opportunity. And for many of the reasons you just described, uh, can you share some more with us? Absolutely. Um, it's just funny because you meet a lot of expats here who thought, you know, I'm ready to retire I'm going to come down to Panama and then nobody bother me. I just want to sit in a hammock and read and, you know, no more work. And then they look around and they they see that there's still so many niches to fill and there's so much opportunity and there are so many Panamanians that are ambitious and upwardly mobile and just, you know, from one generation to the next, we're seeing this huge difference in um you know, socioeconomically here in Panama. And then they start thinking, well, there there's so many people here that I could hire if I wanted to do, you know, maybe a little microbrewery. This area doesn't have one yet. Right. A microbrewery slash pub or restaurant. And so people come here planning to retire and a lot of them just end up starting little side businesses or even larger businesses because there are still so many niches to fill. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of retired people do anyway. They find their passion, something that they love doing. And what better place than doing it in beautiful Panama? Exactly. Exactly right. Do you know typically how long a lot of retirees stay? Because I'm sure a lot of them, you know, don't make it a permanent situation. They want to move back, you know, to be near their children and grandchildren. And of course, as you know, you get older, your health's going to start declining and you want to be near your loved ones. Exactly. Yeah. And that's also such a great question because you do find you'll meet expats who moved down to Panama and stayed for 20 years. But uh, you'll also meet people who did, you know, one, two, three, four, five years and then ended up going back for whatever reason because of the grandkids or because, you know, there was some major medical reason to be closer to family. And, you know, I think that's a great thing. Moving back is always an option. So if you want to do something exciting and try it out, you're not tied to Panama. You can come, hang out for a year, go back. You can come and go every six months, with many, which many people do as well. So going back is always an option. So how does it work, you know, say someone from the United States comes over to retire in Panama, you know, and say it's only going to be a five, 10 year situation. How does that work, you know, 
where the government there allows them to stay? What kind of channels do they have to go through? You can apply for residence. If you're going to be spending more than six months at a time here, you can apply for one of the residence programs. Panama Shines and one of the big reasons it's number one in International Living's annual retirement index again this year is because of one of its residence programs known as the Pensionado or the Pensioner Program. And it's it's one of the easiest means of gaining residence to a beautiful tropical country in the world. And the requirements, the basic requirements are very simple. You need to show that you have a pension of at least $1,000 a month. That is what the Panamanian government deems sufficient to live, not just subsist, but to live well in Panama. And the application process is very short. You know, some countries you're spending uh, upwards of five, ten thousand dollars or waiting, you know, for a long time here within four to six months, you can have your application processed and then you have the right to live here. You don't have to become a citizen. You don't have to give up your citizenship. Right. You can come and go. Mm-hmm. So what if they don't have a pension? What if they say, you know, have a very large bank account? Would that qualify? You know, if, if you don't have a pension, there are other programs that you can qualify. The most popular one is probably the Friendly Nations program. That's what we call it. It has a much longer name in Spanish, which I won't bore you with right now. But um, that program is specifically for people who uh, don't have a pension or are maybe still earning an income. Either way, it's also pretty easy to apply for. They did just change it and make it more expensive, though. It used to be as little as an investment of five dollars to $10,000. Now you're looking at an investment of $200,000. So it's a good option if you were planning to buy a home. Okay. Uh, and what some people do is they just come down and they don't get residence. They rent for up to six months, which you can do as a tourist. You don't need to get sure. any paperwork for that. And then decide whether or not they would like to actually go ahead and purchase a property. Now, the most important question, since I am an animal lover, can I bring my dog? Yes. Dogs and cats are generally very easy to bring in. I mean, I don't want to say very easy. You have to do all the paperwork and get the international health certificate as you would for pretty much any country. But you just follow the steps. It's an easy to follow procedure if you just do it, time it right and follow the steps. And uh, dogs and cats are always going to be easier. What's difficult is other animals. Birds are very, very difficult to take into any other country. Horses can take more time, but dogs and cats are pretty. But I've heard in some countries, if you bring your pet, your pet may have to be quarantined for a period of time before you can bring your pet home. Is that Does that apply to Panama? Panama does not require you to leave your pet at a quarantine facility. What they ask you to do, and there's no oversight on this, but the documentation does say, we ask that you keep your pet with you for 40 days. But there's no there's no checking in on that. They just ask you to do that and you leave the airport with your pet, provided that you have your international health certificate. You just sure. get that paperwork in order. And yeah. So what's next for you? Do you ever plan to leave Panama? I always say never say never. I'm I'm very, very happy here at the moment. You've caught me at a really good time. I just moved out to the beach and it's exciting. So I don't think I'm going to be leaving anytime soon. I do fall in love with every country I visit. 
And we talk a lot about different countries that are great for people like uh, for expats, for uh -huh. retired expats and not retired expats. I would love to go explore Portugal, for example. But I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty happy here. So who knows? Well, what other country would you recommend for retirees? Mexico? I, I adore Mexico. I If I couldn't live in Panama, I would probably be living in Costa Rica or Mexico right now. More Mexico than Costa Rica, just I, because I love the culture and the food so much. And there's so much to choose from. It's such a big country. And there are so many safe, beautiful areas. But uh, as I mentioned, Portugal is also on my radar. I'm very, very interested in visiting and seeing Portugal. Um, it's one of the European countries that I have yet to explore. And, you know, we get a lot of questions about Uruguay as well. And there's a lot that's attractive. It's such a progressive country. It is further. That plane ride's going to be longer. But right. it's very European in a sense. And I can see why people are drawn to it. I wanted to ask you a question since you worked on a cruise line. I've heard about people retiring on a cruise line. Have Did you ever see that? I didn't work on, on one of those ships, so I never witnessed what that was like. And, and it, it was a thing even back when I was working on ships. Um, it, it sounds really great. And there are good things. Like when you're on a ship, you, you have a doctor there all the time. You have an infirmary that's there all the time. And you're right there, right? The healthcare is right sure. there. Um, but <laughs> I would never retire on a ship. I Somebody's don't think I would either. Saying this. I wouldn't. I don't think I would. Um, yeah, that just seems, I don't know. I don't like water that much. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I miss living on a boat and I loved living on a boat. But, you know, whenever something comes around, whether it's Norwalk virus or coronavirus or whatever it is, ships have it really hard. Yeah. And we saw that the past couple of years, definitely. Okay, yes. one final thought. Um, you wrote the book, Escape to Panama. Boy, that sounds like an action flick with Bruce Willis <laughs> or something. Uh, I love I it. Wish. I love it. How, um, how long ago did you write that? I actually update it every year. So I've, I've been doing this for, gosh, I want to say at least 10 years, if not longer. But we, I have been updating it almost every year. Sometimes we'll wait two years if there aren't many changes. But we want to make sure that, that everything in that book is fresh, actionable information. And if anything changes as far as residence programs or taxes, then we need to update it and make sure we're getting you the, the up to the minute, the, the latest possible information. So it's a go-to book for those considering, contemplating, retiring in Panama? Absolutely. It's it's our most comprehensive guidebook on Panama. So if you just want to have everything in book format so that you can look up whatever it is, business etiquette, regions, cost of living, you can look it up there. And where can we find that book? At the International Living website. So please visit internationalliving.com. Sign up for the free postcards and take a look around the International Living bookstore. Definitely, we'll check that one out. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for joining Life's Third Act. We'd love to have you back to talk more. Can you make it? I would love to, anytime. It's been a pleasure. Okay, great. That's been another episode of Life's Third Act. I'm Jill Enters. You've been listening to Life's Third Act, a podcast for thriving in retirement. Sponsored by Tucker Allen, your estate and elder law advisors. 
Each week, we discuss topics and answer questions to help you better plan for your future. For more information, visit TuckerAllen.com. Subscribe and listen again next week for another edition of Life's Third Act. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements.